second part of this teaching that Jesus gave is the process of forgiveness. You cannot please God if you hold against people. It's just impossible. We've been sharing a lot about forgiveness and how difficult it can be in some situation to forgive. And before we go any further, I want to tell you, forgive someone does not mean that you agree with what he did. It just means that you decide that you will not press charge. Father, I just decide to drop it. Like you drop my own sin, I will drop what this person did to me. Saying that, we are going to talk about the daily bread. A lot of people believe that when Jesus told them to, to pray, when it comes to the daily bread, it's a matter, okay, I acknowledge that you are giving me everything I need and, uh, and you are the source. And this is not what the Lord is talking about, actually. When God is talking about daily bread, this has to do with something very specific of the Semitic Middle East culture. Do you know the, the roots of this word? I'm going to show you what is the root of companion. Companion, con is like in Spanish, together, with. Actually, the companion are those who break the bread and eat together. This is the root of this word. To have the same bread. And they give company, like a business, because we are doing things together. You have a lot of signification in a lot of words. But the root of the word is those who share the same bread. Jesus was a Jewish from the Middle East. And in the culture of the Middle East, you do not have a meal with someone that you don't want to forgive. It's forbidden. When you have someone at your table and when you share a meal, when you share the bread with someone, you need to want to fix the issue. No way out. Now when Jesus say, give me my daily bread, he is talking about this daily redemption that he gave you. My grace is going to be renewed in your life. My salvation is renewed every day. The Bible says that his grace is renewed every morning in our life. It means that when I go to the Father, I'm just righteous. The Bible says that God will not listen to the prayer of an unrighteous man. So when you say, I am a sinner, stop to pray. It's useless. You know, sometimes I hear people, they, they believe they are very spiritual. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm just a poor sinner, please. Give me what I need. If you really are a sinner, God is not going to listen to you. Because the Bible says He's not going to listen to an unrighteous person when He pray. The fact is, you're not sinners. You are righteous. Not because of what you do, but about what He did. Every time when you go to the Father, the Father sees you through the filter of Yeshua HaMashiach. The one who died on the cross. 
I can boldly go to the throne of grace because of Christ. I don't know if you have a song in English, but in French we have a whole song say, Oh, one day in your courtyard is better than a thousand air warehouse. Yes. Yeah? You have it? Yes. I hate it. <laughs> I don't want to spend time in the courtyard. I want to go behind the veil. Because Christ on the cross thrown this veil. There is no more curtain. I can go to the Holy of Holy. I can go and I can get a real authority by sitting on the throne of God with Him. You know why? Because He is my daddy. And I am His beloved son. And I can go and sit on His lap. The only way to have a real authority on this earth is when I go to sit on my daddy's laps. I'm sure if you are a dad, you went through this. Dad, I want, to, I want to drive the car. I want to drive the car. I want to drive the car. Yes, son, come. And I did it for my three kids. Get them on my lap in the car. Turn on the engine. Are you ready to go? And they put their two little hands on the wheel like that. And I put my hand on the bottom of the wheel. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes, Dad. Um, mom. This is how we should be with God. Father, I want to drive. I want to drive. Come and sit on my lap. You know, son, when you are seated on my lap, you are on the throne of universe. You know, sometimes I talk with intercessor. And most of the time when I talk with intercessors, they're like, oh yes, we, we, we go to fight against the demons. Hmm, good. How do you do that? Oh, I go and I take the sword of the spirit. And you spend a long time on the battlefield. Oh yes, every morning and I... <laughs> you know, I'd rather be seated in the heavenly with the Father because there is so many of those fights that you don't have to carry. Spiritual warfare is not to be in the valley of the death and the darkness fighting with demon. Spiritual warfare is to be seated in the heavenly with the Father. Sending and releasing the angel to go to battle, not you. We understood so poorly what is prayer. I saw so many people going to fight battles that are already won by the Lord. You don't have to fight those battles. All you have to do is to go to the Father and to sit on His lap. And you know, spending time on the lap of the Father is one of the most rare things in the church today. I'm desperate when I see people spending hours in so-called intercession, fighting against the Queen of Heaven or uh, the Demon of Vase. Let me tell you something. When you go to the Father and when you start to praise and to worship, do you really believe that any demon can stay in the room? With the Father present? They just can't. Because the holiness of God is destroying all of them if they stay. Why there is so many demons attached to so many Christians in the world? 
Because they don't go to the Father. They don't go to the Father place. You know, we really need to change our way. We need to format the iDrive, you know, in our mind. And to say, Lord, please download a brand new system here. Because this religious system is not going to please you. You know, when we talk about the daily bread, it brings us back to the Psalm 23. I told you I love this Psalm 23. Is setting a table in front of my enemies. What is he talking about? He said, I'm going to set a table and I want you to break bread with your enemies. You remember what the Lord said? Love your enemies. And in the Psalm 23, when God is setting a table for you in front of your enemy, He's basically inviting you and your enemy to find a reconciliation. Again, this is something that a lot of Christians need to learn. When Christians start to forget that they are Christian when they start to call other brother and sister names because they have different point of view on politics. It's nasty. You know, the problem is if politics bring you to lose your temper, to insult and to curse people, just don't do politics. The Bible says if your eyes bring you to sin, take your eyes and throw it away. Is sight is good? Yes, it is. But if it takes you to sin, throw it away. Fight the right battle. And let me tell you, for Christians, there is greater battle than election in politics. The thing is, God wants you to break bread daily. Does that remind you of something? The Last Supper. In the early church, they were doing the Last Supper every time they meet. They didn't want to forget that by the body of Christ to be broken, to be offered on the cross, they obtain redemption. And they didn't want to forget that they must give redemption. So we need to come to this point of communion. When Paul is talking about communion in the First letter to the Corinthians, he says something very interesting. You know, there is sick people, and there is even people who die amongst you because they do not recognize a body. Where is the body? The body is here. Right here. We are the body of Christ. A few years ago, we saw so many of our good Christian friends dying with cancer. That Katy and I, we were praying and interceding, weeping in front of the throne and asked for healing and everything. And most of those friends died. And we start to have real serious questions. Father, you say that when we will pray for the sick, they will be healed. You say when we will anoint them with oil... They will be healed. When we come together with one heart in unity, they will be healed. When we pray with faith, they will be healed. But they died. 
How come? And the Lord started to show me that there is autoimmune disease in the body of Christ. I said, wow. He said, yeah, you open a breach in the wall. You open a gate in the wall for Satan to come and to kill and to steal and to destroy. Every time when you speak bad about your brother and your sister in the body, every time when you deny brother and sister the fact that they are part of the body of Christ, because they are different. Every time when you judge your brother and sister and condemn them, every time you do that, you open a little bridge in the wall of the body of Christ. And you allow Satan to enter. And because Satan is very not a righteous guy, he's not going to beat the one who opened the bridge. He just wants this one to stay very healthy. He wants him to start again, to build other bridge. He will go to the one who are bringing the body together. My dear friend Christine in France, she was the most amazing, loving person. She just loved everybody. She just wanted to bless all the body. And she died with this awful cancer. Not because of what she did, but because the breach in the wall of the church. So when it comes to communion, when it comes to receive our daily bread, Jesus say, you need to be serious about it. You need to remember what I did when you didn't deserve it. Yeah, they may pray differently. May, they may have different music. They may do something that you don't like. They can even pray Mary. Is that your business? If you understood that you, you should not pray Mary, good for you. Do not do it. I don't pray Mary. But who are you to judge somebody else's servant? You know, we are so fast, so fast to condemn. It's like a second nature for us. We have been working with the one who accused our brother and sister so long. We don't even notice that he is here. But we listen to his voice every time when he's accusing someone. And sometimes we are offering our mouths for gossip. When you open your mouth for gossip, you offer the use of your mouth to Satan. The thing is, there is a third part to this message. Just after saying that and talking about reconciliation and forgiveness, Matthew 6.13, Jesus invites us to pray and this has been so poorly translated in most of the Bible. Do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Here again, we have a very big problem. The problem is that in James 1, 13 to 15, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. Oh, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So we don't understand what is this verse in the prayers. Do not lead us in temptation. God does not lead us in temptation. And actually the proper translation for this verse is give us the strength to resist all temptation. Why? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I'm not going to ask God to take all the temptation away from me. Because this means that I am dead on this earth. Jesus didn't walk for the 33 years that he walked on earth with no temptation because he was gone. I'm not going to deal with that, you know. No, the Bible says that he has been tempted like everyone. In every subject and topic, Jesus has been tempted. But in the prayer of the Lord, Jesus invites us to say to the Father, Father, give me the strength to resist all this temptation. Because I know that they are not going to stop. I'm sorry to say that, but... It's Satan's job to come and tempt you. And you know, most of the time, when Satan is coming to tempt you, what is he going to use? Is it going to bring you uh, Pamela Anderson in her bikini? (laughs) Actually, I don't really care. He can bring her. So what? Is going to bring you a, a pile of cocaine? He's not going to to tempt me with this kind of things. How Satan tempt Jesus in the wilderness? With the word of God. With the word of God. He's going to come to you and say, Oh, you are so smart. You understand this verse so well. So suddenly you start to feel very proud of it, you know. And you start to church all those who didn't understand as well as you did. You're done. You're done. When you start to believe that you're better than everybody else because you understand the Word of God better, you're done. You know, Today I came to teach you. Thank you God for the opportunity to share this revelation with you. Because I believe that this can be life changing. I really believe that. But even if you don't accept it. Even if you don't understand it. Even if you come at the end and you say, Michael, I do not agree with what you said. I'm not going to look down to you. 
because it took me years and years of ministry before I start to have the beginning of a clue of this revelation. Sometimes I remember some message I preach when I was a young minister and I just feel like hiding myself in a, in a closet. We go from revelation to revelation, from glory to glory. And if this morning I had an opportunity to help you to go a little further, thank you, Lord. If you don't take it, thank you, Lord, because you will still work on that. As you still work on my revelation daily. Father, I just want to pray for my friends today. We are here and we are all like children. We just want to come to your throne and say thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for your son who allowed us to not stay in the courtyard but to enter in the Holy of Holy. Thank you, Lord, because today we can come to you and we can say, teach us. In the name of Yeshua, Amashiach, your beloved son.